Good morning. Well, today we come to the end of something. It's the end of this season in our liturgical year of Epiphany. Uh, we've walked through the weeks of Epiphany, um, and um, it's a season where the word itself, you've heard this in numerous homilies we've given during this season. We've been sort of consistent with that message that the season of Epiphany is about showing forth, uh, Christ showing forth who he is and, 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 and we seeing this manifested more and more. Jesus was baptized by, by John and gospel readings about the Sermon on the Mount and uh, the, 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 the Beatitudes and the, you are the salt of the earth and all these gospel readings in particular kind of calling us to see the Christ being ever more known, showing forth ever more who Christ is. And today, this Sunday, is the conclusion of this season of Epiphany. And I think the gospel reading that's chosen is brilliant. It's just a brilliant way of concluding this uh, season of Epiphany. We've come a long way from the manger in Bethlehem to what we experience today in, in this gospel reading. One of the things that we've seen throughout the season of Epiphany, we've seen quite a few scenes on mountains. Mountains are a big part, it seems, of some of the readings we've heard. There's the Sermon on the Mount. Um, we've heard also in some of our Hebrew Scripture readings about Moses going up the mountain. It's even in our reading today. And Moses goes up a mountain, receives the Ten Commandments, then comes down the mountain and shares these commandments um, with, uh, with those of his community. Um, there was a Sermon on the Mount where Jesus uh, teaches and those who hear come down that mount and share that message with the followers of Christ. Today's reading, though, is a little bit different. Because there's something Jesus says in this Gospel reading that I've always struggled with. So the Gospel reading is that Jesus calls together Peter, James, and John, just three of his followers. And it's kind of like a, come with me. And it says they go up this mountaintop. And on this mountain, Jesus, the phrase uses, Jesus is transfigured before them. What could be interpreted is these Peter, James, and John experience Jesus in a way they've never experienced him before. They become incredibly aware of who this Christ is. In, in many ways, Jesus is transfigured before them and they are transformed in their relationship with Christ. They see Elijah and Moses. It's this incredible scene that's described. And so, like any mountain experience, they've seen this presence of Christ. And you would think Jesus would say, now go tell people. Go tell people who I am. Instead, instead there's this very interesting phrase. I'm going to paraphrase Jesus says to them, don't tell anyone. It's always been a phrase that's struck me in this transfiguration story. Don't tell anyone. It's a strange phrase. You would think that Jesus would have them run out and, and tell of this story, this transformative story that they've just experienced. So I've struggled with that. And uh, so this week, I've preached many times on this gospel reading over the many years. And, uh, but this week, I really wanted to engage with that question. Don't tell anyone. 
And so I began to kind of uh, pursue it a little bit. When I was uh, studying theology and, and years ago, um, this, this, this idea of don't tell anyone, Scripture scholars would say this is known as the messianic secret. The messianic secret. Meant as kind of an understanding, what scholars tell us is that Jesus the Christ will be known fully at the resurrection But this transfiguration story, which is told in Matthew's gospel prior to the resurrection, is kind of like a hint. It's like drawing back the curtain a little bit to Peter, James, and John. They see something that no one else has seen. Others may see it at the resurrection. In many ways, what Jesus is saying is don't tell anybody until after the raised from the dead. The messianic secret. It's kind of like Peter, James, and John, just keep this a secret. That's how scholars describe it, and and there's a depth to that. But it hasn't always spoken to my heart. Um, so I went to some of my favorite spiritual writers, and um, I haven't quoted him lately, but uh, Richard Rohr has, uh, has something he says on this that really, really struck me earlier in the week. And, and, and I've been trying to develop um, something to, to share with you that would speak to what his perception is, an idea that he suggests that I think could speak to us. He says that that idea of don't tell anyone is kind of a disappointing phrase in this gospel reading. Um, And yet, there's got to be a a meaning to it. And what Richard Rohr suggests is this. That what Jesus might be saying is, don't tell this story. In other words, this experience they just had of Christ. Don't tell this story to anyone else because they may think they understand it just by hearing about it. Don't tell this story to anyone else because they'll think they understand it just by hearing about it. Religious experience, religious experience has to be experienced. We can't believe it because someone else just talked about it. Sooner or later, we have to go to our mountaintop. We have to have our own transfiguration. And we have to walk down the mountaintop into the world on the path of suffering and the path of love, which he suggests are the same in the end. Do you hear that? Perhaps what Jesus is saying is, don't just tell this. People may not really understand that or think that this is the fullness of it. But rather, I think, taking off what Richard Rohr is saying is our role as community of faith is to call each other into the experience of who this Christ is and to to enter into that relationship. And yes, perhaps share your relationship, but it may not be what your relationship is. Peter, James, and John are called to go out and they've had this experience of the Christ and out of that experience, their lives are transformed and they certainly want to call people into this experience of walking and following Christ. I also think this Sunday is a wonderful transition. It's the end of a season of Epiphany, but I think it's such an incredible transition into the season of Lent that we're about to enter into. What Richard Rohr is suggesting is The ultimate path to knowing Christ is one of incredible love and suffering. And that wonderful phrase he says, how love ultimately folds into suffering. 
Because if you love deeply, if you love incredibly, whether it's another person or people or this world around us, we will suffer. That was the suffering of Jesus. He so loved this world. He so gave himself to this world that he suffered to call out that love. And would we be called to anything less in, in our lives? And so as, as Peter, James, and John went up that mountain and experienced the transfiguration, everything that was keeping them from Christ is taken away. It's, there's this incredible relationship. How do we reach out to that? How do we do that? Thomas Merton talks about the phrase, our, our true self and our false self. We have to shed ourselves of our false self, and that is a life journey in order to discover our true self, the self that our Creator sees in us. And it's interesting that the season of Lent perhaps is one of those seasons where we in, enter into that, we engage in that. You know, of all the seasons of the liturgical year, from Advent and Christmas and Epiphany and Easter and Pentecost and going forward, Lent is this interesting experience, this interesting season where we see ourselves doing something. Doing something. As far back as I remember as a little, little child, Lent, what, what's, what am I going to give up for Lent? I'm going to give up candy. You know? Lent was about doing something. Um, and I would propose that this Lent can be that season. As we come walking together in faith, loving and caring for this world, and letting go of the things that can keep us from that fullness of love and care, we need to enter into that love and into that suffering and let go. And so this Lent, um, let's all give up candy. No, 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 but but what, what, what in the depths of our heart do we need to look at and let go of that keeps us from the fullness of seeing Christ transfigured before us? What are those things? Enter into this season and look at that and see what it can be. And thank God we get to do this every year. Because it takes a lifetime. It takes a lifetime to experience this Christ. And perhaps we will get a glimpse, a hint, as Peter, James, and John did, who this Christ really is and invite others into that experience of coming to know Christ and loving this world and being willing to suffer for it. Because we know that Lent brings us to Easter the fullness of the resurrection. And while Peter, James, and John had to keep a secret, the resurrection was a proclamation of what they got to see earlier in their experience with Christ. So I hope that that message can, can speak to you today. I know it spoke to me, um, and I'm, I'm sharing my experience of engaging with that. Um, and uh, let us go forth this day uh, loving this world, caring for this world, and bringing about this wondrous light showing forth on this final Sunday of Epiphany, the fullness of God's presence in our world.